Good morning and welcome to the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. I am smiling editor and publisher Charlie Deitch because we were having a pretty good uh, uh, spirited uh, pre-show uh, conversation with my guest today, Penguins uh, uh, Penguins Network. Uh, Penguins, see, Penguins Radio Penguins Network. Radio Network's <laughs> own Brian Metzer. A.K.A. Brain Metzger. Brian, thanks for coming in today, man. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime I can bring the brain back to the studio. It's, we that's could, our ongoing yeah. joke, right? Now that Heenan's dead, we could call you Brian the Brain. <laughs> now, that, now that the late, great Bobby is gone, we could bring back Brian the Brain Metzger. I used to get uh, faxes from Allegheny County for my day job that's yeah. non-sports related. And this guy, Lionel, that worked on there, he used to send every fax titled to Brain Metzger. <laughs> And I honestly feel like, and I, I pieced this together, after the fact, I would realize when I would speak to him on the phone, he would call me Bra in. So I wondered if in his oh. head, he just thought that Brian was spelled B-R-A with a long A. Yeah. Brian. Bra in. Bra in. That sounds like, uh, it also <laughs> sounds like, like Irish, like Celtic. Yeah. Bra in. <laughs> say Bra in, what do you say? Uh, That's exactly <laughs> what it was. <laughs> um, anyway, we're going to talk Penguins hockey. We're going to talk... Uh, we're going to talk about our giving issue, the Pittsburgh Current. Uh, we put our giving issue out on the streets on Tuesday, and it's our give, giving thanks issue. And quite frankly, what we want you to do is to go there, read the stories, go into the directory, find a nonprofit uh, that you uh, support their mission, and give to them during this holiday season. And although... You know, a lot of these groups need your financial help the entire year round. Um, most of us seem to, you know, open up the wallets a little more around the holidays. So um, go there and uh, we'll talk to Brian a little bit about the Brian wrote a piece on the Mario Lemieux Foundation, which we'll talk. You know what? Let's start out with that. Brian, I uh, so wait, you're gonna be in your head now, <laughs> it is now, Brian. Brian, so Brian, tell me <laughs> if you could tell me, Brian. Um, well, it's nice little bit of fluff, Charlie. <laughs> so, Mario Lemieux, listen here, I'm out. I'll say, uh, you, you wrote, see, it's because we switched to a Wednesday, it's because it's the holiday coming up. Um, I've already had one Thanksgiving, so I've already got the, the turkey in the system. And so maybe that, uh, I think tryptophan has the opt the opposite effect on me. It makes me a little crazy. Yeah. Maybe. You're through the roof. It's like hair on, uh, for me. It's um, your espresso. <laughs> exactly. Turkey. <laughs> yeah. Little foam on top, little fo turkey foam on top. So Brian wrote about the Mario Lemieux foundation, which, you know, everyone, everyone knows. I, I will go out and let me say everyone knows the Mario Lemieux story in the background and I think everyone knows that Mario has his foundation but Brian wrote about the foundation is one of these great nonprofits to give to Brian talk a little bit about um, the Lemieux Foundation and and uh, you know you talked to some folks for your story um, he, he Mario really is the like the um, almost the the, the, the quintessential uh, uh, person who gives back to the community. I can't remember the word I'm looking for, but, but you know what I mean. So talk a little bit about the foundation. Well, it, it's amazing to see a guy like Mario Lemieux mm -hmm. come to Pittsburgh as an 18-year-old non-English speaker. Um, he's meet, met at the airport by people. He's ushered into the city. He mm -hmm. has to put this team on his back that was terrible at the time. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time he saved the team, so to speak, right. because he turned their fortunes around. And then, you know, they finally win some Stanley Cups with Mario. He becomes one of the greatest, if not the greatest player in history, uh, depending on who you ask. Then he, he has this cancer diagnosis, yeah. and that's what started this whole thing because we're going to leave out the fact that he saved the team, pulling him out of bankruptcy and right. doing all this. I mean, the, the sports-related stuff everybody knows about. Yeah. But what happened is 25 years ago, he gets diagno diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he got through that 
miraculously and just kicked its ass, to be honest, and comes out of that, comes out of his final radiation treatment, plays the game that right, night, and right. wins the scoring title, and sadly they don't win their third consecutive cup. But that got the seed planted that he wanted to help others go through mm-hmm. that situation as well, and he wants to beat cancer as much as an individual as overall. So he started the Mario Lemieux Foundation with his wife, Natalie. They've raised $25 million over the last 25 years. They do that via the, the golf tournament that he used to have. It's not a public event anymore, but they still bring right. in a- athletes for it, and they get a bunch of contributions and donations. Yeah. So that happens. They have the Austin's Playrooms that they've developed, mm-hmm. and that was kind of a neat thing too because he and Natalie realized – that while his children, um, his younger kids that were dealing with Austin's premature birth, they were in the hospital for 70 plus days with right. him. There was nothing for these kids to do. They're bouncing off the walls and then the families are stuck trying to entertain them. Right. So they have these playrooms that they put in place. They have a couple military ones now as well. There's 30 plus of them around the tri-state area and some of the military ones are obviously nationwide. So you just see Mario constantly giving back. And to me, it's one thing to have a statue of him outside of PPG Paints Arena. The city should almost erect a statue to Mario right. somewhere like they did for a Mr. Rogers or Richard Calagari right. or someone like that because of his work for this region. I mean, it, it's really amazing to see the give back that came out of a personal tragedy, one that he overcame, obviously, and he's been cancer-free. You know, God bless him for that. But to to see the way that he and his family have given back to this area, they've become honorary Pittsburghers. They, they live here still. Um, they... Bought the house out in Montreal a couple years ago, but opted not to really move back right. there. And I think they're just going to be Pittsburghers for life. So it's a great story. I love that they've raised all the funds. And the the real quote that that captures the essence, I think, was the Paul Steigerwald yeah. quote. And Staggy's known uh, Mario since day one. Mm-hmm. He worked in the marketing capacity for the Penguins back when Mario was drafted. And he's the guy that was this little whippersnapper that had to go pick up Mario at the airport. Wow. So that's why he and Mario have sort of formed a bond mm-hmm. over the years because he, it was almost like a baby duck seeing its mother for the first time. Right. <laughs> that's, that's who Mario saw in the city was Paul Steigerwald. So he's had a soft spot yeah. for Staggy ever since. And, um, you know, I think that's why they've helped each other all this time. So he really captured the spirit of the thing with that quote that yeah. he gave about Mario. But. $25 million plus raised over the years, the Austin's Playrooms, which is such a great give back, and they just keep continuing to, as they say, giving others, uh, they keep giving others a chance right. to win, which is a neat slogan, because that's what they do. They give all yeah. this stuff back, and people that are really in need and, and trying to fight cancer, they've built, what, all these facilities for UPMC and yeah. others? I mean, it's the money they give is amazing to think, right. you know, and, and you like to see an athlete do that, because we all think about the money they make, right? but to see it being generated and given back to such a great cause is awesome. Right. And, and philanthropist was the word, of course, I was looking yes. for. Um, but uh, I know I can't let things go. He's um, a hell of a philanthropist. He is. What happened with the, with the golf tournaments? Because I covered a few of those back in the day. And they, I mean, they were, they were wild. They were crazy. Like, oh, yeah. You know, people just, you know, would follow, you know, John, guys like John Elway from hole to hole. What, 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 why, did, why did that become a... Uh, a not public event. Do you have any insight yeah, on that? You know what? I, I should look into that a little bit because I remember being sort of disappointed about it. Yeah. Because it was a fun thing to go to as a fan. And yeah. I mean, because the people that would come in, you got Michael Jordan, Elway would be yeah. there, Dan Marino would come back, who we know he does a lot of great work for autism right. as well. Um, so these guys all give back a little and they all come together. You know, yeah. when Mario would have his thing, they all come. Mario would go to their tournaments and things to help raise money for their causes. And I don't know if it just got to be too much. It, it grew too much in a way. Yeah. And the... As you said, some of the crowds started getting a little wild. It and, was nuts. And and it was at a uh, a country club that's a pretty nice one. And maybe, I, I almost feel like maybe they weren't 
as happy anymore right. with having that crowd come in. It's a big cleanup and yeah. you know, stuff's getting trashed a little bit, but I, I don't know that that's my own. Sure, opinion. sure, sure, sure. But generally speaking, it's, it's really stunk to see it go private. And then now I didn't even hear much about it this year. So I don't know if they just changed directions. Yeah. What I think he's replaced it with, to be honest, is the fantasy camp. Oh, right. Because yeah. they do that and bring in, you know, fans. They give them the opportunity to play. He brings in a bunch of his buddies. Grant Fuhrer was here last year. Paul Coffey comes back. Yeah. Um, a bunch of, like, retired guys. Ty Domi's always in town for it. I got to interview both of those guys last year. It was kind of a fun thing. Um, you know, former Pens come back. Jay Caulfield plays, obviously. Colby Armstrong's involved. We've had uh, Alex Kovlev come back into mm -hmm. town and participate. And that raises a lot of revenue because I think per head, it's something like fifteen grand to play. But that money all goes to the right. Mary Lemieux Foundation. They get their, you know, they get their stuff and their, sure. their jerseys and everything. So that happens. And the neat thing is, some celebrities come and play in that. So okay. uh, Bill Burr was here in the past. Um, Steve Byrne came in and played a couple of years. So you see that kind of thing. Yeah. And I feel like they've put the focus maybe on that fantasy right. camp, which is, uh, I want to say that's ten or eleven years of that right now, and uh, that generates a lot of revenue. So maybe they just thought of that as something that was a little yeah. bit more in the wheelhouse, even though Mario's an astute golfer and a very good right. golfer, maybe they figured that's a way to give back a little bit sure. too, because your fans get yeah. fans who are capable of, of paying that fee, right. obviously, but they get to participate and play with some of their heroes. Yeah. I mean, the assemblage of, of star, star power at those things, I think a foursome I saw once with Marino Elway, Jordan, I don't know if it was Lemieux, but I don't remember who the fourth was. But those three guys in a foursome <laughs> one year when I covered it. And you, when you would get to 18, it was just like it was, you know, just like when you would see like even crazier, I think. Than yeah. Like some some tournaments, you just regular golf tournaments you see on TV. Um, it was just it was amazing. And people were, you know, would would follow Michael Jordan from hole to hole. And it was just... Well, they'd all was, have the stogies going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they, were, they, were, cool. right, they were completely on, like, relaxed yeah. levels. And, and that th those are legendary guys. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're just seeing, you know, some, you know, average player. I mean, right. these are all-time greats in their, yeah. in their chosen sport. I mean, if you were putting a Rushmore together of pro sports, these guys could be in the right. conversation. And they're just, <laughs> exactly. they're there smoking cigars, and you know they're yeah. going out for like a scotch or a whiskey yeah, after. making and, jokes. And, and, and they'd have that yeah. big uh, after party, I think, at Metropole, yeah. too. Mm -hmm. And you'd hear the tales of just these guys kick back and telling stories. Yeah. And that's where you would want to have been a fly on the wall. Speaking of telling stories, um, there's a story going around that the Penguins kind of suck right now, Brian. <laughs> it's not a story. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, a true story? Yeah. Um, what's going on? What's going on with the Pens right now? Uh, with the lost nine of the last ten, four in a row, five in a row, four in a row, four in a row, four in a row, nine of the last ten they've lost. Made a big change when they when they uh, traded for uh, Pearson. So what's what's going on? What's going on with the Penguins? And I know that Jim Rutherford's trying to make big moves. You know, I don't know how long that that takes to sort of pay off, or if to know whether the move was right. But what's going on, man? Well, I think the biggest issue with the team is their confidence is shot right now. Yeah. And when you have no confidence in any sport, I think that you just play worse. You overthink everything. You're just not yourselves. Yeah. So that's probably one of the big problems with this team. And I, I know that Brian Russ talked a little bit about that the other day. Some other players on that roster have talked about the, the confidence aspect of it. But 
Um, everybody keeps pointing to them and saying that the league has caught up to them in terms of speed, etc. Biggest thing is when you look at them, they can't get out of their own zone. Mm-hmm. The breakout just stinks right now. And that could be, you know, a lot to do with some injuries potentially, because just taking Justin Schultz out of that mix on the blue line has really hurt them. Yeah. Um, I, it's hurt more than I probably anticipated it would. Right. So not having that right-handed shot that can make a breakout pass that can help you on the power play, do all those little things, put a bigger onus on Chris Letang, who he's obviously playing very well this year. I think he's having one of his finest seasons in recent memory, but he can't do it all himself. Right. And he's making a handful of mistakes from time to time. He's given had some giveaways, credited and not credited out there. So that's hurt them. I think that they've been caught flat-footed a lot in their own zone. They can't When you can't get the puck out, yeah. they're running around a little bit. And as Phil Bork would tell you, they're watching the puck a lot. They're not really getting on bodies. So teams are allowed to just pass it around and set up perfect right. plays. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning did that to them just a couple games ago, yeah. and it was ugly. So that was one of the bigger problems. Secondary scoring is uh, a second issue, and I think that's what Jim tried to address by bringing in Tanner Pearson. Now, on paper, you see him send out a, a fan favorite in Carl Hagelin, sure. who had uh, just three points on the season for Tanner Pearson, who had one assist, and right. <laughs> it happened on opening night. Right. That's all he had this year. <laughs> but now he's gotten his first goal as a Penguin. He had four shots on goal. He was physical. He threw his body around in his last game, and he's looked pretty good with Evgeny Malkin on that line. Um, I liked it better with Phil Kessel. They mm-hmm. tried it with Patrick Hornquist at first. But that still just gives you the top two lines when Sid's healthy. So I think they've got to find a good way to balance out the lineup. That will be alleviated a little bit with Derek Broussard coming back. Mm -hmm. So if they can get the secondary scoring and get out of their own zone a little quicker, stir in a little bit of goaltending because that's been an issue. But I I still – I sort of believe the goaltending issue is tied into them not getting out of their own zone. There's some first saves being missed. Yeah. But at the same time – excuse me. They're – they're leaving their goaltending out to dry. Yeah. And uh, those guys need to start making a big save from time to time. But to that point, there's times where they're making the big save and then it's a rebound or a backdoor play where they're not covering a, yeah. a pass to the guy that's on the far post. They've probably given up more backdoor back post goals than I've seen in three seasons right. this year already. And we're only not even 20 games in. So that's a, a lot of win to not really explain why they're losing, but but I just feel like there's a lot going wrong at once that if they can start fixing one thing at a time, they'll be better off. And Sullivan's addressing the breakout probably first and foremost right now. That's something he's tried to tweak a little bit. And uh, the talk is that they used to make a lot of passes up the wall and teams are taking that away from them. So when their goal or their defenseman tries to pinch, they're picking off the pass and going the other way, chipping it past him and they're not able to do what they've done. Uh, and that that's hurts them in the offensive zone, which then gets them flat footed going back. And when they try and retrieve and get out, they go back up the wall and that team is playing on the wall and taking that pass away. So it's the breakouts just broken. That's hurting them in, in their entire aspect of their game. And it's making them look slow. Do you think <laughs> that uh, the, the move to trade uh, Carl Hagelin, I, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, Jim Rutherford gave us, gave everyone fair warning that something was going to happen sometimes, you know, you don't know if making a big move like that is, is just reactionary or you're just trying to mix things up a little. Um, but do you, do you think that that was a move that he really thinks was going to help turn, you know, help turn the tide a little bit? Or is it, was it a move for a big move sake? A little of both maybe, um, because he did want to just sort of shake things up a yeah. little. And I thought Elliot Friedman, uh, who works for, I believe, Sportsnet now, he's shuffled around a little bit, made mm-hmm. a great point the other day. He said that Bob Murray of the Anaheim Ducks is one of these guys. Jim Rutherford's one of these guys. 
Um, I don't know that necessarily the King situation is this, but there's old school general managers, and he mentioned Rutherford as one of them. He mentioned Bob Murray as one. He mentioned David Poyle in Nashville as one, as guys that sometimes will just look for a comparable player to right. plug and play because you can swap them. It doesn't hurt your team that much. It doesn't help your team that right. much, but it sends a, a shot across the bow of your locker room. Yeah, and I think that was as much what he was trying to do as anything else. But to that, there, you know, that said, I think he thinks Tanner Pearson has a higher offensive ceiling sure. because he's a 24, 24 goal scorer two years yeah. ago. And he thinks that if he can even get back to 15, 20, that's going to really help this right. lineup, getting a left winger specifically that can pump a couple of goals in. And if he plays like he did in the last game, I think he will yeah. be able to do that a little bit. But yeah, I, I think sometimes there are trades that are made just to shake up the locker room. But in this case, it was one that was a shock and awe move, but one that he still thinks yeah. has offensive upside for his team. And do you think that, ha I think anyway, but do you think that Hagelin is maybe the biggest name in the locker room that he could have moved without really, without really changing things too much, but still you're, you're, you're shipping out a, you're shipping out a team guy. You're shipping out a well-liked guy, a locker room guy. Yeah. Um, do you think he was probably the biggest name at this point, at least that he could, that he could deal without, you know, taking too much, too much flack from the fans. Although there's certainly been some backlash, but also <laughs> without really, kind of screwing up the core of the team. There. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it, it hurts a little just in that he's a, an awesome penalty killer. Yeah. and But you can't pay a guy $4 million sure. to just kill penalties well and be a fast guy. I mean, he, he wasn't scoring a lot, and that was something they considered. But the biggest thing as to why he was the easiest part to move is he's an unrestricted free agent yeah. after the year. So with that $4 million coming off the books – he gets Tanner Pearson at 3.75. The Penguins actually held some of the Hagelin money to even that out in terms yeah. of uh, salary cap. But they have him signed for the next two seasons. So they have cost certainty with a, a player who's four years younger as right. well. I mean, because Haggy is 30. Right. So you have a 26-year-old making 3.75 that you know you have for the next two years, and you believe that you can get him back to being a 15 to 20 goal scorer. So that, in his view, was a move that helps them for today and in the next couple of seasons. So... When you look at it that way, I think, yes, he probably was yeah. the easiest part to move. He still had a lure around the league. Teams that are looking to get a veteran presence, maybe a little bit more speed into their lineup, which the Kings definitely were, because yep. they suddenly looked like a team that uh, was sort of skating in quicksand. And they it's crazy to think that, because you have Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty there that everybody thinks of with mm. that, that lineup. But uh, they're the speed guys. They're the leaders. But Dustin Brown has slowed down. I think Jeff Carter slowed down a little bit. Um, and and it's, a, it's a little older group that needed a little infusion of speed. Now, it's a shame they got a little older, even yeah. more so with Carl Hagelin, but they get the speed aspect. And the interesting thing is his first game with the Kings, which I didn't see what happened since, uh, but in the first game he played over 16 minutes, which is, was his most time on ice of the season. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Right. They're going to use him maybe a yeah. little differently than the Penguins did. But I, I do agree with you. I think that's what it was. Right. He was the easiest piece to move. And it, it still sends shock, but maybe not as much shock as if they would have done something really drastic. Right. Like, you hear people saying, trade Phil Kessel. Don't trade Phil Kessel. Trade Ole Matta. Don't trade Ole Matta. Right. So, I mean, some of these guys still really help the team win. Yeah. And I don't know that he wanted to do that so much as help him uh, get a contract off the books that he knew he wasn't going to keep next year anyway. Right. So, looking ahead to the next, let's look over, like, the next three months. I mean, the, Pengu the Penguins uh, have been known to make, you know, uh, big deadline trade deals. Sure. Are you are you thinking that, or, or is there a chance that they're going to just kind of? Uh, do you think that they're going to make moves? Uh, you know, bring in new players, make trades, um, 
as we sort of go through the season, or do you think that, that this is maybe it for the moment, or do you think Jim Rutherford's ready to you, – would you maybe not count, count him out for – um, you know, making another big move. Well, I never count him out just because he's yeah. one of the most aggressive general managers in the, in the yeah. national hockey league. Uh, it's worth pointing to though. This is what the earliest, one of the earliest trades he's made as a penguin. GM. he's yeah. always early. Mm-hmm. He goes in December typically or January, which the deadline falls in late February. Right. So he's always one of the first guys to strike in that situation this year though. Um, this deal, I think he felt like he needed to do something to shake it up. Like we just talked mm-hmm. about, it was only a second November deal. I think he has two or three December trades on his resume. Uh, the biggest would have been David Perron happened in December, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, I think he will make more moves. What I think is going to happen is if all goes well, you have Sid back tonight, according to what we're hearing. And by his own admission that he's feeling pretty good. Yeah. So you'd have your top three centers back in the lineup for the first time since October 25th. That's um, Sid, Gino, and, and Derek Broussard. So they might get those guys back in. That gets them a little bit more balance in their forward lines. And then they can consider, okay, what do we really have with this group? Give them a few games to do what they need to do, see if they can start scoring some goals, see if that helps them stop the skid that they're in right now. I mean, they're last place in the Eastern Conference. So right. that alone has him working the phones. Yeah. But this time of year, prices are so high right. because everybody still fancies themselves as a, you know, we're in it. We're in this right. race. We can make a run. We can do this. We can do that. Even though U.S. Thanksgiving is largely looked at as the mile marker for where if you're in a playoff spot, then I believe it's 76% of the time you're making the playoffs. Wow. It's really crazy with like 60 plus games yeah. left for most teams. So I think that getting past Thanksgiving He'll let that happen. He'll play these guys a little bit, but then I think he'll start to look again. Right. I don't know that there's a deal to be made today. Uh, prices are very high, so I think he'll get into December. If he still is struggling and sees his team not doing what they want to do, I think he'll then yeah. look to make another deal, and he'll continue to try and tweak as we move through the season all the way up until that trade yeah. deadline. And, and don't be surprised if he maybe makes two, two or three, maybe not very big impact deals, but other little things to tweak the lineup, setting up for maybe a bigger deal down the line that he can – maybe change the dynamic of some group on this team. I know he wants a puck-moving defenseman right. again because with Schultz out, you know you're getting him back, but you're not getting him back till March. And, yeah, you, we all told ourselves then that, oh, he'll help us for the playoffs. Well, if you're not in a playoff right. hunt at that point, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So he's got to address that. I think he will before it's said and done, but defensemen uh, are so expensive. So you'll, you'll see something. I just don't know exactly yeah. when based on price, but he's always a guy that's working the phones and very aggressive. You uh, you mentioned that the that the Pens are last in the conference by record and points. They're 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 one of the three worst teams in the NHL. Do you think they're one of the three worst teams in the NHL? Um, the way they're playing, or do you think it is a matter of things start to break differently or some things start to click? I mean, are they one of the worst teams in the NHL right now? I mean, obviously by record you could say that, but but by by the talent and what you and potentially what you see could happen. I mean, do you? What's scary is when you get to, you know, the quarter mark. Yeah. I mean, you know, Denny Green comes in and says, they are who we thought they were. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. I mean, it's like, let them out the Now, I, I don't believe the Penguins are as bad as they've looked. Yeah. I mean, when you have Sid, Gino, Chris Letang, Phil Kessel, that alone should be good enough to win in the regular season. That maybe yeah. not always enough to win a Stanley Cup, but you would think that would be enough to get you some points, even yeah. loser points. They're not even getting the loser points. Now. Right. I mean, out of the 10-game skid here, they have the one, re- the one win, and they have two loser points. That's bad. I mean, usually yeah. when the Penguins lose, they oh, yeah, they have a 10-game losing streak, but they've gone 
you know, two, two and six, (laughs) they're not doing two, two and six. Right. So, um, I I don't think they're as bad as they have appeared to be, but they, at this point though, what's wrong? They got to get to the bottom of it. Is it just going to be an off year? We saw that with the San Jose Sharks a couple years ago. They came off the Stanley cup run against the Penguins and, and didn't win the cup, missed the playoffs right after that. Right. And then now they're back to being one of the better teams in the West over the last couple seasons. So is that what they are going to do here? Maybe have a year to tinker with some things, retool a little bit and then set themselves up for the latter stages of the Sid Gino era, which that's a definite possibility. And for a team like the Penguins though, Charlie, it, it's not a terrible thing to have one year where maybe you stink a little bit right. because then you can potentially get yourself a high round draft pick. And into the mix. And if, if they would somehow become a lottery team this year, you got a guy that a lot of people think is, is this next big thing. Um, Jack Hughes on the horizon. He's the number yeah. one overall draft pick next year. I don't think the penguins are going to get the first overall by any means, right. but if you could set that scenario up, it's not a terrible situation because then you add to your center depth. You have a guy that could potentially replace one of Sid or Gino down the line mm-hmm. once they would retire. Um, but I don't like to think that way with this group because yeah. they still have a lot of talent. I think they're right there. If they, but they got to start winning games. Right. I would say December is one of the biggest months in recent memory for this team because they got to make a lot of uh, space up in the standings, win some hockey games. If they could come up with, you know, getting themselves within a couple of points of a wild card or the top of their division, they'd be in pretty good shape. That's the one good thing they have going for them is. Their division now, they're only a handful of points out of third in their division. Right. Even being last in the conference, you're still right out of a playoff spot because if you make up that five, six points to get back into third in your own division, right. you're back into not even a wild card. You're in the playoffs. Right, exactly. So, uh, Let's talk about, we mentioned it, let's talk about goaltending. Um, is there some point that you just start thinking that um, while he's good, Matt Murray is maybe just too streaky or too slumpy to be like the long-term guy because, you know, again, it hasn't been like he's, he's had periods of dominance, but then he's also had periods of you wonder, you know, what in the heck's going on? I mean, is it, and, 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 uh, the backup, uh, the Smith. Yeah. Casey DeSmith. I mean, that doesn't seem to be, (laughs) well, what's your assessment of that? It's crazy because I mean, Casey, that's the thing. Casey DeSmith was the perennial you know, backup QB, you know, guy that you just don't see a lot or a, a utility player. Yeah. Because what would happen is people were calling for him to start because he looked so good early. Yeah. And he's that kind of guy that would come in. I think he can give you spot starts. Mm-hmm. I think he could even start, you know, 20 plus games for you and do it at a high level. Can you ride him for, you know, 10, 12 games in a row? I don't know right. because he's never been that guy. He does it in the AHL, obviously, but to do that at the pro level with just not having that pedigree, I don't know that it'll work. So, He's, he's got a couple shutouts this year. He's looked pretty good at times. I thought he was pretty good in this Buffalo Sabres game. However, he didn't have that big save you yeah. needed to win the game. I mean, they gave up a 4-1 lead, and then he lets up a, a a tying goal that a lot of people think he should have had and maybe even an overtime goal that he should have had, even though that's some pretty good players that scored yeah. those goals. So um, I think he is fine as a backup for this team. I think he can win games for them. Can he be the starter? I don't know. Now to Matt Murray... He should be the guy. We all have seen him win two Stanley Cups. You saw what he did over those cup runs. Now, granted, he didn't shoulder the entire load himself. He had a little help, specifically in year two, where Marc-Andre Fleury carried them up to the conference final, and then he he picked up the ball and ran it the rest of the way. But he was a world burner. I mean, he had consecutive shutouts to end the Nashville Predators series. He's a guy that has shown that he can do that. He can play that style. 
I don't think by any means he's done or that he stinks sure. or anything like that. I feel like he's another guy that is maybe dealing with a little bit of an issue with confidence right now. I think he's overthinking his game. Uh, as we talked about in our Penguins preview issue for the mm-hmm. current, he had all those quotes talking about how much he studied his own game over the summer, and he broke that down a little bit and wanted to make himself better. I wonder if between him doing that and maybe a goaltending coach trying to get him to play more in that crab stance that we talk about yeah. so much, that screwed him up because he's a tall kid. I think he's six foot four. He's like 180 pounds. Mm-hmm. So he's not the widest guy, but he's right. tall and he needs to play upright in his net. When he does that, I think he makes it harder for shooters. He takes away his angles better because he can stick his arms out and yeah, say what you want about his glove hand. I still feel like when he's upright, he's better. His glove becomes a liability when he's low in the net because he just doesn't have the speed to get it up. Right. So if he can stand upright in the net, he has good lateral movement. He's maybe not the most athletic guy, which is what works well for the crab stance. If you're athletic, you're fine. You can right. pop around and slide side to side. I feel like, and he even mentioned it um, with the Yanni Gord goal against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's the one of the four power play goals that they scored that everybody said, oh, that's the one he should have had. He said he overslid his mark, which took him out of position on his angle a little bit. He shouldn't have had to slide all that much. If he was upright in his net, he's just going to walk, you know, he's just going to go on his skates. Right. If you're going on your pads and you're not as used to being an athletic goaltender sliding around, you could slide, you could yeah. overslide a play. And I think that's what he did there. So he needs to just get back to being Matt Murray, and I think he'll be better for it. Uh, one other screen grab from that game I saw on the NHL network. He, uh, it was Mike Rupp talking about it, and it was the one Braden point goal that was a backdoor play. Uh, Nikita Kucherov could have probably scored without even passing it around the horn to point, but they chose to do that based on how Matt Murray was in his net. He was crouched down so low that you could see the shooter's view. Both corners above both shoulders were wide open. Right. And the way Kucherov is, he could have just lasered a wrist shot into one of those spots and scored, I feel. Right. And um, that that's not Matt Murray at his best for me. He's got to be upright in his net. He's got to take away angles better. And I think he'll be better for that moving forward. I liked his um, his, his brazen type answers yesterday. You know, he's, he's asked, uh, should you be playing more? That's not up to me. He says yeah. it kind of with venom. Yeah. Um, would you like to play more? That's up to the coach. You know, like all these kinds of right. things. But that, that almost sounds like him getting his swagger back a little, where when he's peeved, I think he's a better player yeah. too. Early this season, they went with the Smith over him for right. a handful of games. And he was talking the same way. He came in, and all of a sudden he has the shutout against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. He played so well in Western Canada maybe you've rubbed him wrong. He's going to come in and help you stop the bleeding right now because, uh, it, you know, a peeved Matt Murray, I think, has done well for the team, and hopefully that's what he is now because he's got to get back to being what we thought him to be. Now, the rest of the season, to your point, is a big telling right. moment in history for him because if he's not good, then you have a window of time going back to last season where he hasn't been that right. guy. And then you start to worry because you gave up what is going to, by all rights, be a Hall of Fame goaltender, which I'm not that guy. I'm not saying you kept the wrong right. guy. So take that out of your vernacular. They did not keep the wrong guy for the, what they're doing here in Pittsburgh. But then do you have to address your goaltending? Mm-hmm. Because if you have Sid and Gino for the next, you know, three to five years, you want to make sure you can win as much as you can over that span. And if Matt Murray's not the guy, Jim Rutherford's got to identify that, make a tough decision, and find somebody who can help them win. Yeah. This is the Pittsburgh Current uh, podcast, and we're here with Brian Metzer. We're talking... All things Penguins hockey. We're going to switch uh, uh, switch here in a minute. But um, you can read Brian every week on PittsburghCurrent.com, his thoughts and insights and uh, some interviews uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And um, 
Brian, one final uh, thing on the Penguins I want to talk to you about. Uh, because, you know, look, we go back to um, when Dan Bilesmo won his first cup. You know, he was he was a midseason replacement because the Penguins were playing bad. You knew I was going to ask this, I think. <laughs> um, you know, you go back to Mike Sullivan's first cup. He was a midseason replacement because, you know, things weren't going well. Does <laughs> Sullivan have anything to worry about here, do you think? I mean, is it one of those situations that could develop? I mean... You're talking about a guy's first really down time. Yeah. So, but, so is there, you know, and I'm sure there are people out there who are like, you know, you just fire just solely, you could get somebody in there and win the cup, you know, but is that even, is that even on the table? Do you think at this point? Um, I, I never discount anything with Jim Rutherford yeah. just because of the aggressive nature as we yeah. talked about, but I really don't believe that's in the offing. Yeah. He and Jim get along so well. They have a, a great working relationship. Sure. You can look at a couple of things and say, are they on the same page? I mean, for me, that comes down to the Ryan Reeves trade last year. Yeah. Was Mike Sullivan on board with that? Cause he just chose not to use the guy to the point where you decided to trade him right. after you gave up assets to get him. Um, Daniel Sprong comes to mind because Jim, when you hear him talk, he sort of says things that lead you to believe he should be in the top six. Um, Mike Sullivan chooses to use Dominic Simone in that role, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more than Daniel Sprong. One other thing with Simone, Jim said on his GMJR show on the Penguins radio network two weeks ago that he felt Simone is better served being in the bottom six. Sully almost always uses him in the top six. Right. So, I mean, are those things not on the same page? Possibly. Yeah. But I think that they're open-minded enough to work with one another and work through those things. Right. I don't believe that even though it's been a recipe for success for the Penguins right. to make the midseason coaching change because uh, of, of history, I just don't know that that's going to happen. Now, they just inked Sully, what, a year ago to his new contract. Yeah. And it looks like... He's still beloved here by the organization. It seems like his players still respond, even though I've heard fans say, they're not listening to him anymore. Right. Well, the personnel's different. I mean, they've had injuries. There's a lot of things to play into that. It's yeah. just not playing his... And people even think he can be stubborn at times. I think any successful coach is. They know what's worked for them. They know they can tweak it and have it still work. So I think they're going to... He has a little longer leash than a lot of these guys. I mean, we've seen four coaching changes in the right. NHL already this season. Some named guys, too. I mean, Joel Quenville got fired from Chicago for Pete's sake. I mean, he's the winningest coach in NHL history at this point. So I think that there's probably even people out there, that, and I joked about this at home a couple times, really, like to your point about the Yinzer Nation maybe right, saying, yeah. fire Sully, won't they do that? <laughs> bring in Q. They could bring in Q. Yeah. You know, I don't. that would be crazy. Yeah. That You know what, if you're going to do something here, that's the kind of crazy move you you should make. Right. You don't bring up the AHL coach again because that's right. the other dynamic here. Right. Almost every time that I can remember a coaching change in Penguins' recent history, it's been a broadcaster and <laughs> in, in three or four AHL coaches. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's like you went Eddie O, you go Mike, Mike Tarion comes up from the AHL. Bilesma comes up from the AHL to replace him. Uh, and that's where Mike Sullivan came up from. The only one that was off the off the beaten path was Mike Johnston, and you yeah. took him out of junior hockey. Right. So they don't ever go for the big name yeah, coach. So it, a, it's yeah, right. you, you you can't. I don't think that they're going to fire Sullivan. But if yeah. you do, I would love to see that a bomb mentality where right. that happens. And hey, we're bringing in Joel Quenville, something crazy yeah, like yeah. that. But I, none of that's happening. Yeah, I uh, I my favorite thing about Mike or about about uh, Sullivan is that he made me forget about the guy before him. Like that's yeah, the, that would those were just uh, and isn't Sully sort of like an yeah. sob too? That's what I yeah. like. Like his, he comes out with that, you know, 
he's got that vinegar in his veins a little yeah. bit where he's just, you can see him, you can tell when he's perturbed with a question. Yeah. I love that. I, I don't like somebody that's just vanilla and bland yeah. all the time. I want to see his, his emotion on his sleeve a little bit. And I think he does that. I think he gets a buy-in from his guys. And, and I used to joke a couple years ago on the cup run, the last cup run, his quotes, you could put them on posters on walls. Yeah. It's like life coach stuff. Right. And that's kind of cool. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, speaking of coaches who uh, you can tell what they're thinking by their quotes or not thinking by their quotes is uh, Mike Tomlin. But let's so let's <laughs> let's switch to football. Let's talk a little football. Um, uh, we talked a little bit before, but let me. I want to ask you a couple things that popped in my head yeah. as we were sitting there. I want to talk to you about number one. Um, I swear, like maybe I had a fever dream, but the Browns considering Condoleezza Rice as their <laughs> next <laughs> as their next head coach. That almost is like it smacks of like what a the hell uh, is that? yeah, it smacks <laughs> of like one of those. Remember when the Washington uh, Wild things they offered um, Barry Bonds a contract? Remember it's just it just it's at like least the, he played baseball. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> They're operating like one of those, just sort of like you know, like a minor league baseball team and like. Uh, Chattanooga or Cucamonga or all those, you know, small Midwest towns. It's just, it, it just, it just seems weird. And the other thing, cause we'll talk about these two things together. Cause the Condoleezza Rice is basically a throwaway. Um, Redskins uh, lose Alex Smith in a horrible, oh, horrible uh, injury, um, potentially career en- ending. Um, so they need a quarterback. At least they feel they need a backup quarterback to back up Colt McCoy. You start looking on the free agent market. Once again, we don't see someone like Colin Kaepernick get yep. a shot. We see Mark Sanchez yep. get another shot. So let's. That was the real. Like I said, the he throws a mean uh, what diet uh, soda in yeah. the commercial. So maybe <laughs> they does. were considering that. Yeah, maybe they saw it like, wow, <laughs> he's really been working on his drinking arm. <laughs> The, the, the rice thing obviously is, yeah. is baloney. It just kind of shows to what to what you know how far the the Browns have fallen. Um, uh, but what do you make? What do you make? What do you make of the of, of of the decision to hire or to bring on a guy like Sanchez when you've got a guy like Kaepernick? Now, granted, Kaepernick wasn't like I'm not one of those. I support Kaepernick. Uh, for for the yeah, stu- beliefs for the beliefs and, and so stuff, forth yeah. and stuff like that, um, but I also am willing to agree that when he lost his starting job, he was having some struggles and so forth. But he's a young guy who you would think, yeah. If you look at every, if you look at all the guys who've gotten second chances in the NFL, um, what do you, what do you what do you what do you make of that? I mean, is it is it is he really committed that much of a sin that it's the that he can never come back from. Is that something? Yeah. Well, it's kind of weird because, um, to your to your point, yeah, without considering anything, I feel like he started off as a, a really good player yeah. and for some reason lost his mojo. Yeah. Like he, in p- terms of pure football, he just didn't look the same anymore. And I don't know, it's almost like Robert Griffin in a way. Yeah. Because that was a guy that we all thought was going to end up turning into a great player mm-hmm. and he was for a short period of time and then he fell. But I, I making that comparison... He still was a backup in the league this yeah. year. He was with the uh, the Ravens, I believe, and had a, a chance to maybe be a guy that was considered in the preseason. Is hey, yeah. is he going to take the job here? He's yeah. playing so well. So when you look at it that way, and you think about Nate Peterman's of the world and guys like that getting caught on with teams, and finally um, Landry just caught on, I think, in Jacksonville a few weeks yeah. ago after he didn't get a job being cut by the Steelers. In terms of pure football, is he bad enough that? Right. You, you don't feel that he can even serve as your backup or your third string guy. Now, I, I'm going to assume 
I'm not going to say this was a scenario where it's collusion, but at the same time, yeah. it sort of starts to look that way, exactly. doesn't it? Where it does. That the, the league is saying, oh, well, we, we can't take this guy. He's toxic right now, you know? And do they just not want to have the the headache of dealing with that? And when I say headache, I don't mean because yeah. of his stances. I just mean there's a media spotlight that comes with that. Yeah. Because you know the first team that finally does take a chance because that's how the NFL is. I, right. Like, he's still so young. We, we could have 10 years of this waiting for them to outlive his football usefulness. Right. Are we going to go through this every season where his name comes up? I think somebody's finally going to say, you know what, let's bring him in. Like, and it might happen next year in training camp. But it is mind-blowing to me that his football skills would be the main thing that you would say have eroded to the point that he's not capable of coming in and being yeah. any kind of useful to an organization. Right. So it has to be that you just don't want to deal with the the, the media aspect yeah. that would come with it. Yeah. And that's a shame because um, you would love to see a guy like that with, you know, it, you don't want to see anybody because any stance they take costs them their livelihood. And that's what stinks. Right. And, and, and uh, Michael Vick got a second chance. Uh, yeah. Plexico Burst yep. got a, you know, a, a second chance. Now, think it, of all the NFL. It, exactly. I mean, it's not. Now, the only other thing you can think of, and it was completely two different things. I'm not comparing them. Yeah. Ray Rice never got a second chance, but right. it was such an egregious thing. Right. But Colin Kaepernick never hurt anybody. Right. Are you going to put, <laughs> right. So you're basically right. You're putting him on the level of what Ray Rice did. Yeah. And I agree. Ray Rice probably doesn't deserve a second chance, but you're going to, so you're going to put Kaepernick on his level. Yep. And not give him the same opportunity that you gave to to Mike. I think if Ray Carruth could still run, this a t- team would sign Ray Carruth recently paroled from prison for. <laughs> he only murdered one person, <laughs> <laughs> almost an unborn yeah, child. Yeah, it's you know? right. It's one of those stories. It's like, but if Ray, if, but he can catch. Yeah, right. If, if Ray Carruth still had speed, I I think he would get picked up. I really do. Well, you know what's crazy about it is is um, Josh Gordon's another one. If this is the way, and I thought it, it may have been Mark Mad made this point on his yeah. show at one point, and it's interesting. If any of these guys were working at a 7 Eleven, they wouldn't have lost their job. Right. And I get it. It's a privilege to play pro sports and all these kinds yeah. of things. But never on earth should you lose anything because of your belief, right. your political stance, anything. I, I'm, that's how I feel. I'm the wrong guy to ask about that. No, but I know. <laughs> this man, right. he's a poster child. But, I mean, that's my thing. You should not lose your livelihood because of your, your stance on right. something. That, I mean, whether you agree or disagree, you shouldn't lose your livelihood for it. I mean, I if you punch a Kaepernick, woman or you do right? this, yeah, okay, exactly. then we can done. talk. But, I mean, that and that's what's terrible. Yeah. I mean, and that's what seems to be happening to him right yeah. now. Yeah. I would hire Colin Kaepernick. Um, if he's when you buy him. your first pro when team. When I buy my first pro team, right, uh, probably be the Browns. I mean, because... <laughs> Well, you but then again, his new right. coach, exactly. Rice, Rice. Yeah, you know, exactly. it was Don Lupree or, or Tim Robbins, none of these guys not available. They could go out there. Remember Don Lupree used to yeah. have, lock that stuff in the, yeah. the midnight hours that you could start a small business at home <laughs> like me. And it was and like, like crazy magic. little squirrely right. man. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, th- those were like these inspirational people that were yeah. they unavailable that could go and um, yeah, I don't, I mean, Tony I'm not, Robbins, I'm not like saying that. she's not a great leader of men, but a football right. coach. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very strange. <laughs> <laughs> She'll hire Colin when he gets that job. Though. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, maybe that's, that's Kaepernick's chance. Perhaps. Um, Condi did it. We don't know. Right. Yeah. He was like, well, she don't, what does she know about football? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's a strange to the Cleveland Browns. See, I, I can't I believe I, I set you up to be that. We could, we could put you up. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even think I should have, yeah. I should have like you, I don't, you know, I don't really talk too much about what happened to me. I'm just kidding. He died so that we could all live. 
<laughs> something like that. Um, but talking about um, second chances and attitudes, we were talking about this before the show. Um, uh, I, I brought up Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. um, and I watched the game on uh, Sunday, as as I'm sure a lot of us did, and um, it was like it, it really seemed to be. Uh, you know, he didn't play well, obviously, for most of the game, but it really seemed to be an emotional roller coaster for Roethlisberger, watching him through that whole game, and then watching him, um, you know, at the end kneeling on the ground with that with that with the game ball. Um, and for a second, I'm like, oh, come on, guys. We got to, you know, hold it. Hold, you got to hold this win for Ben. Hold it for Ben. And then I'm like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't like this guy. Why all of a sudden, you know, why am I like, you know. You went for the Kellers. You went for the black and gold. Exactly. Yeah. I went for, the, I read, I went for the, I went for the black and gold. But it's still, it's, it's like, you know, in some ways, you know, we sort of forget about, um, you know, that's what they always say. Once you win, you know, you can pretty much wash away anything that you've done in the past. But it made me think about um, it made me think about Roethlisberger's legacy. I mean, this could very well. And I think if they somehow get in and, and, and win a Super Bowl, I, I think Ben probably walks away. If not now, then one maybe one more year. Um, but still, I don't think he's long for the game. 15 seasons. I don't think he's got much longer. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Do you think that, that Roethlisberger has done enough since all of his uh, past uh, indiscretions and issues? Do you think he's he's done enough to um, to cement a more positive than negative legacy? I, I mean, I would like to think to a certain extent, yeah. But uh, as I told you before we went live, I have a friend who said, I won't follow the Steelers again until Ben Roethlisberger retires. Right. So I think there's still a, a group of people that... Yeah. You know, it's like uh, it's 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 like Jonah Hill's character in Superbad. Yeah. When he says, hey, try not to pee your pants. Uh, you know, and he goes, that was in the seventh grade. And he's like, people don't forget. You know, <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sort of like that kind of thing. You know, yeah. is is that going to be in the back of people's minds? Of right. course. I mean, yeah. there, he had indiscretions. He had things that law enforcement was involved. He had all these different things. Right. Now, um, he didn't get uh actually charges filed he didn't go to jail he didn't right. have all that now that's neither here nor there on where you fall sure. with what really happened right but from the time where he was a jerk supposedly walking checks in pittsburgh and treating wait right. staff poorly and treating some teammates poorly i feel like we've gotten a longer window of a more positive ben roethlisberger right. so at least in top of mind you can think well he does great work to try and support canine units in fire he does right. uh, great work in the community otherwise he has a, a family he, he has young kids he mm-hmm has done anything the Steelers have asked. He's put up with a lot in that regard. And and I, I feel like um, he's been a very good soldier, so to speak, for right. the organization and for the community. Now, you'll never forget everything that right. came along with Ben Roethlisberger. But I think that you can look at it and say, okay, if nothing else, even if he did bad ever, he has at least tried to make amends right. for all that. And you can, you can hang your hat on the fact that he has become a solid citizen and he looks to be what he will be at least for the rest of his days is a guy that seems like a good guy. And I've heard, uh, I had a little insight, uh, of somebody I know that works in the car industry. Uh, and they dealt with him as a younger player Mm -hmm. and said, boy, that guy's a real jerk. And he'd come in and, and to be honest, I was told like he'd try and talk a certain way to impress certain people that were there. Like there were certain demographic working in the, in the garage and he'd sort of act like he knew, what it was like to be them, gotcha. you know, that kind gotcha. of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't necessarily him either, right. but he was trying to put on a show. And then he dealt with him later and said, boy, he seems like a new guy. Yeah. So I guess any of us probably have things, not quite the things he has, but things right. in our past that you can look at and say, well, boy, this guy may have been a real crappy person at one point, yeah. or at least 
had crappy things right. happen or been involved with, and at least they tried to live their life the right way after. Because yeah. it, it's like we just said, second chances are nice. They're great stories. And I think he got one and he got a chance to sort of revamp his image. I fully believe, and I still, I'll go to my grave thinking this, that the Steelers got a PR firm involved right. early on. Yeah. Because there was a while where you went from hearing all this terrible stuff, the SI article and all that, to right away, Ben's getting married. He's settling down. Yeah, he, yeah. Know, it was, like, wait a minute. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah the last was, week, you know, he he was like dancing with a stripper on the stage at cheerleaders. Right. You know, and he had that the, like, that press conference. He never did he, that that I know of. That breast co- that breast conference. Wow, thank you uh, for <laughs> that press conference <laughs> where he showed up in that kind of like you know. Uh, uh, creeper velour, brown velour shirt. His hair was, you know. We, we I that. did have a rack of those for us out yeah, behind the wall. I thought we could have worn those today. For those would have been nice, actually. Um, so my main issue with Roethlisberger is, so I feel partially the way you do in that I felt like he's done enough to at least partially make up for his douchiness, yeah. which were, yeah. again, walking out on checks and, you know, riding around without a helmet on his motorcycle and generally, you know, treating fans not so good. My problem and the reason I I think I'll never be able to find the well not maybe I know I'll never be able to find the respect for him and I know I'll never really be able to cheer for him even though hypocritically so I've I I I I was done with football for a couple of years. I'm now back and I watch dealer games and so forth. The one that the one that that really that really, I think, is the most telling moment with me with the, and we're talking about, of course, the sexual assault allegations. Oh, yeah. The, the first woman who came forward, the, the, the hotel hostess in Reno, um, there was such a campaign to, to, to victim shame her and to just attack her yeah. mental, mental health and to really just sort of go after her and, you know, and to make the, a lot of the world think, Oh, this is just some, you know, she's crazy. This yeah, is, she's some, just out for or publicity yeah. or a lawsuit or something like that. Um, and then this other thing happens in Florida and then other stories kind of come out. Um, well, that's whenever I told you pre-show yeah. about the pylon mentality. Yeah, because, correct. Because I feel like at that point, yeah. anybody like, then everybody's like, Hey, well that happened to me or this, right. like, because then everything comes out of the woodwork yeah. and was all of that stuff founded. Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, to your point, I agree. I mean, yeah. that you, and you can't victim shame. You can't do it. And that's exactly. what made that And that's the one. And then they, they, they ended up after saying they would never pay her a nickel. They settled yeah. that for an undisclosed amount of money. And Sounds she like kind of was exchanged. Hands. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. There was a settlement. Let me, let, <laughs> correct. There was undisclosed. Let me say there was a settlement. Um, and she basically, she was, she said, you know, obviously kind of like, look, I told you, I told you that this was who yeah. the guy was. So for me, like I'll never be able to, I'll never be able to, um, to look at him yeah. the same way or, or ever, or ever, or ever think like he's, he's a guy I will say that after these things happened, and again, I know he was never charged. I don't think he ever should have been allowed to play football again. I put that on the Ray Rice level, but again, here we are. And like I said, I got caught up in the moment on Sunday yeah. and I'm like, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Football stuff aside, yeah. Looking at straight football, will you end up missing Ben as the player when he's gone? Uh, maybe not home, maybe not road, Ben. But yeah, right, <laughs> right. No, I mean you, 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 you certainly will. I'm saying you generally, not specifically. Even though I know you're asking me specifically, <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm willing to. And I was even then, I was willing to take 
a few crappy seasons to sort of just move on, you know, move on and wash your hands. If somebody else wanted him, fine, take him. But you know, um, it's just, it's, it's just amazing how, you know, and again, that's, that's something that I've always worked on for my, with myself is that, you know, to like, sort of like put players and to put athletes or so forth up on, you know, a pedestal. And that was as a, as a, as a youngster. I know we all were as when we were young, as when I was young, of course I did that. You know, I did that a ton. Um, Steve Garvey, for some reason that Steve Garvey was my <laughs> first sort of deified baseball or my deified first deified athlete. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's, uh, I honestly start to really, it bothers me. And I, I start to really not like myself when I, at this point, I think when I'm, when I'm watching, you know, him and I'm thinking like, because for us to be successful, he has to be successful. Yeah. And so it's, it's just, it's a, it's a tough thing. And so, and as I see him, as like I said, his career is obviously winding down. So yep. I think you start to think about those things more. And yeah, like the legacy, as you mentioned, that yeah. was your whole point of that. Right. And it's, when you look at right. the, the body of work and that's part of it. And I, I feel like a lot of fans, the biggest issue with them, maybe letting him slide. And this is the sucky part about life. Yeah. It's so far in the rear view. They almost just, they don't think about it. It's exactly out right. of sight, out of mind. I yeah. don't remember that anymore. Right. Hey, this is now a two-time Super Bowl winner. He's been there three times, you know, yeah. whatever. It's like, he's this guy. And yeah. Ben, Ben, Ben. So, I mean, I think that's part of it. Um, and it would be interesting to see when he does hang him up, if somebody says, writes it like a career retrospective and says, right. hey, he revamped from being, you know, a piece of crap kind of right. person and through this. Or they bring that up. Or if that comes back to light. Because I think... Certainly, based on the way the world is today, it would have been viewed differently had it happened today than when it did. That's correct. You're right. I, if, if what he, if what happened happened today, you're right. It would be we'd be in a much different. Yeah, a and much he may have been Colin Kaepernick. Anyway, yeah, exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. <sighs> well, we had a great. You know, it was a great <laughs> show. We got some laughs, and now I'm like, oh, Jesus. Come well, on. Wait, how can we down. pick you back up? I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk more about how I'm saving journalism, Brian. I'm just can we kidding. talk with accents again? Will that do it? Yeah, it will do it. All right. You've been watching the Pittsburgh Current Podcast with me, Charles Dage, and our guest brought you Metzka. We're like the Dreadnoughts. We are. We are. Uh, I'm actually good because my, my English accent came back a little bit. I, I gave it away to do my to do an Irish accent. I've been working on that for years. Yeah. And I can't do both usually, uh, you know. Well, they, the bad thing is when you try and do, you know, like Scottish yeah. or, or English, whatever, it bleeds. And it I, just bleeds. And I can't because then you bleed into Australian a little yeah. bit too. It's very yeah. easy to do. Yeah, I, I've always loved. I've always been like like big on like pantomime since I was little, and like <laughs> Scottish is like used to be Irish, but now Scottish is like I'm like I can do that. I know I can do it. I, I respect the hell out of that. Because to no purpose. I mean, what the hell am I going to do with that? All that you stuff. Know. What do you mean? That's a life right. skill. It might be. It might be. I guess. You'd be great for radio. We could be like, "Hey, we're bringing in the uh, the Hilltopper. He has yeah. some great, <laughs> he has some great insight." Hey, Brian, it's been good having you on the show, lad. Okay, chop. <laughs> this has been the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. Uh, check out our giving thanks issue um, on on newsstands now, right? and give, give, give to some of those or. Go against our our advice in the book, and 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 you know find find your, a, own, find yeah. your own. Yeah, give give a. Till it hurts a little bit, at least, and um, have a happy Thanksgiving, uh, the start of the holiday season, um, and we will see you uh, next week for a very special uh, 
Pittsburgh Current Podcast. We will be having, we'll be talking about the KSWA Fan Fest and Gift uh, Holiday Toy Drive. Um, we are the official media sponsor for that, so make sure that you um, check out uh, our uh, Facebook page for information on that, and also the KSWA Facebook page. Um, and we will be live there on December first, and we'll be t- uh, taking that in. But next week we'll have some folks from KSWA in, and uh, we'll be talking about their their big annual show. So, I'm Charlie Deach, editor, publisher of Pittsburgh Current. Have a great holiday. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.